It is difficult to free fools from the chains they revere. Voltaire. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Instagrated. It's myself, Jeff Black, joined by the beautiful Jason uh, Steobold, who's looking younger by the week. We got ourselves Jason Roberson, who's managed to grow a scrumby beard to embrace the wilderness. And we have a good friend of ours here in Nashville, Stephen the hell you say is how he wanted me to say it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, dude, you, I met you. You've been over my house. We've, we've, we've drank together uh, and watched people beat the shit out of each other on USC. So <laughs> you're cool in my circle. But today we're going to talk about building a business one client at a time. Steven is an amazing realtor, has a cool story and, and Robo knows him a lot better than I do. So Robo will be spearheading this. I just got to do housekeeping real quick in the last seven days. So that being said, we have a charity seminar. It's February 9th and 10th. The link will go live. Jason, Theobald, and Robert will be publishing it on their social media and stuff like that. We're doing the podcast, so you guys will see it out there. Uh, if you guys message the Against the Grain podcast, that is where um, you'll be able to find information and all that stuff. We'll have the link tree to go through. Uh, Kayla, who works for Jason, uh, she is the point of contact for this event. All things will go through Kayla. So don't ask Jason, either of them, just send them. They will send you to her. If it's little stuff like, hey, blah, 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 they, they don't mind little things like that. Um, the area I would recommend staying at is Mount Julia, Tennessee. It's about 10 minutes from Nashville. Um, it's a really nice area. There's Publix there. There's a Kroger's there. There's restaurants. The hotels are suites and things like that. So it makes it easily accommodating. You guys will be able to see the full lineup there. It is $101. All the money goes to Children's Vanderbilt Hospital, which does a lot of research for my brittle bone disease osteogenesis and perfecta uh some more information to come it'll be out next week with that being said robo how's your last seven days been real quick yeah um thanks for pointing out the beard i have a patch of grays coming in this is Ooh, new i've yeah. never had this before that's like when you so see your first like, pube you're like proud you're like yes. how are you again? i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> say that it's because of you guys you <laughs> stress me to Might this be. extreme degree that's exactly <laughs> it no, but it's good, man. Uh, just trying to wrap up a couple things before you're in, getting ready to go to California for 10 days. Um, so excited to just try and break away for a little bit. Oh, dude, I'm looking forward to that for you. Jay, what's been up mm -hmm. with you for your last seven days, man? Um, well, uh, this past weekend, um, just a lot of uh, dad duties. Um, Maddox had piano on Friday basketball practice saturday morning we had a game friday saturday evening we had a game sunday we had church sunday we had a game then a birthday party so i felt like <laughs> my uh, god yeah so uh, other than that man uh you know what it's 50 degrees here in the middle of december um business is good i had a hell of a month in november um despite what other fools may say um and i'm just growing man i'm just growing and Loving life. So all good stuff. Well, that's awesome to hear, man. So uh, today I started working on a project uh, discussing something I wanted to just write. I needed to kind of just get out. And I managed to kind of practice my first day with a different routine of having four hours uninterrupted to write. So I took about 50 micrograms of LSD, ripped on that fucking bowl three good times, got Bob coffee going and and away I went and I turned out 4,792 words in like four hours. It was really, really good to do. But um, otherwise, now I want to guys give you a little update. Book cover is completely finalized. Uh, I'm going to surprise you all with it. Little tweaks we need to make, but fell in love with one and still was in love with it five days later. So I said, fuck it, I'm going all in. And then I actually partnered with a guy out of Ireland named Charlie who works with Jocko Willink. Uh, he's going to be editing my works for my website and doing my line edits. And then he's going to help me with creativity stuff. If I hit roadblocks, different ways to map writing, do all my formatting. So that'll be nice. Uh, it should be good for both of us. And otherwise I got back into playing guitar. I start. I'm in band jamming uh, here coming soon, apparently. So I'm looking forward to that. That's something I've always wanted to get back into. So kind of just enjoying life and, and some nice. opportunities that have been floated my way. Um, with that being said, Robo, I'm going to turn it to you, man. Take it over. Yeah, uh, so I will correct you just a little bit. It's uh, Stephen Delahousse, but you were close. Uh, it's we, tell how you said. <laughs> we'll we'll you give say, you man. a D plus. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, 
Stephen, I've, I've known for years when I was moving down, he's actually the guy who helped me find a house in town, uh, but he's a, a jack of all trades. So he built a real estate firm, um, started off as an agent, built entirely his own firm. Um, he also works in brand partnerships in the music industry, does real estate investing and is a new father. So really the only thing off limits to him is dating because he's been with his wife so long that he doesn't even remember what that congratulations was like. Congratulations to you to get that yeah. accomplishment. That's hard to say as a man. So congratulations. Man. Thank yeah. you. Let me tell you, being a uh, relationship to high school with my wife is there's a lot wow. of milestones to be wow. crossed and uh, it's hard work, but it's been a total blessing. And yes, I had my baby girl, Charlotte Wren. She was born August 24th of this year. We call her Charlie. And uh, it's been a, it's been a hell of a ride. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Your sleep schedule ever catch up? <laughs> hell no. I had three hours of sleep last night. I look like oh, a zombie. Man. I mean, I'm amazed that you guys can't see these sandbags. Thank <laughs> God. I'm, that's why I'm still a little bit further away right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay away from the high res cameras and it's all good. That's right. So Stephen, I'm going to fire the first question at you and then we'll, we'll start circling around and see what they have. But I want to start with, you know, your business, House Haven Realty. You started as an agent and then, you know, eventually you went, you franchised, became your own firm. I'd love to hear a little bit about that journey. What were the big decision points that took you from, hey, I can do this to, hey, I should own this business and I can do this on my own? Yeah, totally. I think there's a, it's the mindset um, that, that started it. So I've always um, been an individual who has never been satisfied with where I am. I, I believe that passion and performance go hand in hand. And uh, I was an ACSM personal trainer back in the day. And at the time, nice. after I got done with that, yeah, yeah, man, I, uh, I ran all the YMCA's and Middle Tennessee's wellness facilities. And <laughs> one thing that I noticed was while I was in the corporate world, which this is going to correlate to your question, um, I always wanted to go to the next level. Like I, I always wanted to go up one more level. Like who can I become next? Where am I next? Here, 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 and here, here. And the same thing is, is transferred over the real estate industry, you know, a realtor to be to be a realtor to get a license is, is honestly kind of a joke it's very simple like you take an exam you take 90 hours of cecs which you just honestly leave on idle and you click through it as you watch suits on netflix which is what i'm doing right now and then you get your license <laughs> as long as you're over 18. great show by the way uh, but after that the next level so that becomes an affiliate broker and there's a level above that and that's called a broker and to be a broker you have to have three years of experience you have to take like triple the amount of hours and that gives you the ability to open a brokerage. So I always knew I wanted to open a brokerage. Um, you know, when you're an affiliate broker, you have to hang your license under a brokerage. You have to give a percentage of your commissions to the brokerage. And, and on top of that, it kind of puts you on an island as an independent contractor. My personal trainers out there know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You miss this, this culture, this team, this feeling. It's all so cutthroat and cold. And I wanted to create my own workplace where I create a culture of family where even, yeah, we're selling and we're competition, but we're in this together. So that's the real reason I started house saving was I wanted to create a culture where everyone was welcomed. And, and the other thing was too, is we're selling houses in communities, but a lot of realtors don't actually know what the hell's going on in those communities, right? Like if I sell a house in the nations, do I actually know that they're doing a coat drive down on 51st Delhi? Probably not. So I wanted to create a company where wherever we did transactions in, we actually implanted our business in. We gave back to the local businesses that operate in those areas. It's so important. I'm a local business. I have every responsibility and duty to give back to other local businesses that are in the grind with me. And I wanted to create a company that had the ability to do that. So um, a lot of exterior factors led to the decision to start House Haven. My brother and sister own real estate companies in Texas where I'm from. That motivated me because I saw honestly I want to be better than them. I'm a sib, I'm the youngest. Like I gotta beat that ass. <laughs> uh, so that that pushed me too. But um, yeah, I, long-winded answer. I'm drinking the Celsius, but you understand. <laughs> no, uh, just to give Stephen a little plug, I actually have my real estate license. It was way more difficult than than he mentioned. You know, stroke. No, it's pretty simple. But um, when I went to sell my house two years ago, I didn't even bother to do it myself. I still had him do it. Um, I it was just, that, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I, I told you I had my license at that point, but it was never really consideration. At this exact moment, I did not know that. So <laughs> here you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. 
I knew he was studying for it all along. He's like a little ninja. He's a, I figured one thing out about Robo that him and I think like about each other is he's a think tank like me. He can just oh, yeah. think. He'll just think, 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 think. And it's always trying to wear to poke holes. And I think that's why he does good at selling business. So yeah, I knew he was doing that though. Sorry, Sweet. you didn't. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. either. So, Stephen, you and I are on the same page there. So. Finally, thank you. See, I, I, mean, I have no idea. Man. I don't know what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? I had no idea. So, Jeff, what questions do you got? Actually, I have one I want to start with is how much does social media drive your business? Uh, do you do paid ads? Do you even find that's beneficial for what you're trying to do? And if you were, I guess I always hate to say start over again because as an entrepreneur, you're always starting over again every day. But if you were to like maybe change past, do you see the value of social media or do you see something else on the horizon that you would utilize to grow your business? Man, listen, I, there is a there is a realtor starter kit 101 that every realtor thinks they have to do. It's pay an expense for an expensive ass website that no one's going to use, create all this social media content that no one's going to watch and go out and make this elaborate brand for yourself that no one really knows right? And then join these real estate companies that no one even thinks about. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> well, how in the world of real estate, we tend to get caught up in the busy work when really what embodies a successful salesperson in general. I'm in sales. I, I'm addicted to sales, I'm not addicted to selling house. I'm addicted to sales. A salesperson in general, what embodies that work is them. They are the company. Like you are the company, you're the CEO, you oversee your marketing, you oversee everything. And the first thing that a realtor needs to master is the art of negotiation and the art of meeting people and keeping long lasting relationships. And then social media is a tool or an add on to that work and embodiment. So yes, I do believe social media is important, but I think what's even more important to answer your question is every single individual in the world of real estate or in sales, again, has a unique value proposition. And a lot of times that value proposition is mystified or hidden by what everyone else sees on social media, driving fancy ass cars, pulling up to luxury houses, you know, walking through a fucking mm. bathroom with a chandelier in it. Like, but that's not actually who the individual is and that's not their true value proposition. So that authenticity does not deliver through the social media channel. So for me, when I get on and I do a social media, you know, post or what I call motivational Mondays, like I'm talking about things that I actually care about. You know, I'm talking about what it feels like when I pop a bottle of champagne at closing for someone who barely had $5 for a down payment, that feeling is way greater than a feeling of selling a $5 million house to someone who doesn't even know my name, right? Like that's the message I want to deliver through my social channels. And that's why me as a brand is more successful than others on social media, because they can feel the value proposition I bring is real. And the message I send through those channels is legitimate. So yes, all of that to say, I absolutely think social media is valuable if it is used the right way. Honesty, transparency, uh, and have a mix of data and have a mix of honestly fun and knowledge. You've got to be able to cross the gap. Like you've got to be able to be knowledgeable in your craft, but you've also got to make it exciting and fun. So being able to make those two blend together is, is how it's effective. All right. I have a follow-up question. You said honesty and transparency in a marketplace that is crowded with a lot of not of that in a lot of industries. I mean, shit, I didn't run across it in my Supra um, with some of the stuff I've had to deal with with sellers. How do you find that you're able to pierce through that veil for people to still say Steven's the guy against all that clouded market space that might be out there? How do you go fish in the blue ocean, I guess? That's a great question. So I approach it from a very different world. So um I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say it to be cocky, but I am going to say it to be somewhat confident because I do feel this way. And I had to actually change. I, I have some pretty crazy stories, and I'm all about self-motivation. I read books every day about this stuff. And um, there's one specific thing that I had to alter my mind to make me say this statement to you and actually believe it. If I go into a room, and there's 10 realtors in this room, and you're in this room, and you're looking for the right agent to represent you, and you say to me, why the hell would I use you? There's nine other people. You're at the time, I started real estate when I was 25 years old. You're 25 years old. You don't know what the hell you're doing, dude. I would just tell you a couple things. I would tell you, number one, I truly believe that if you use anyone else in this room but me, you're doing a disservice because I am obsessed with my craft, 100%. 
I am obsessed with what I do. If I don't know it, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be pissed that I don't know it. And I'm going to assess over that too. Wait, so no matter what, rain, sleet, or snow, I am going to be fighting for your best interests at all times. And that's how I was able to take out 20-year veterans in this industry. That's how I was able to be take out. What do you youngest, mean? They, the <laughs> I want to know. This like sounds it. dark as shit. I like it. Oh, like, where are we going? Listen. <laughs> like, brother, listen. Stevens assassin uh, is what we're finding out on the right now. I'm, I'm the Jason Roberson of the real estate industry. So, oh wow, hard. shit. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> talked first, dog. Rebel get oh, all red in the face because he knows what that means. Because we know. That's right. You're right. Stone but no, I just, uh, I said to say like. Um, I believe in my confidence because I honestly believe that I can work harder, better, and faster, more efficient than my competition. And that's how I navigate in the deep blue world of real estate. I think that's some really good advice. You know, you just believe you can outwork it. And as long as you believe you can outwork it, you can stay ahead of it. And I think that's, that's right. Cause a lot of people tend to drop down and get into it. And then they're like, it's, it's almost like trench you're entrenched in it. And then it's hard to mm -hmm. kind of get up. So I appreciate that answer. Scoot, yeah. what do you got? Cause I know Robo is going to kick it to you. You got anything you want to uh, ask? Well, you know, I always bring it back to our listeners. Um, we have a lot of coaches. Uh, that's, you know, what Jeff Black and I do. Um, and in that business, uh, at least in my opinion, referrals are. Damn, biggest, you stole my next question. You did the, the biggest uh, area, you know, you can be cute on social media and put out all this knowledge and it's all great. Um, but at the end of the day, your network and how you treat people and how people will refer to you is really important. And I have some friends uh, locally here in Kentucky, they're realtors and they've been in the game for a long time and I watch them and um, it looks like they build their business really through referrals. Um, and so I'm curious for you how important that is. Number two, uh, if it is very important, what do you do to foster it? Um, and then number three, because that is very important, how do you control the people that work under you so that they're giving the same level of service? Great question. So I'll tell you guys a quick story. You have two realtors in a room. We're going to go with Sandy and Bob. Bob's all tech savvy, right? Bob's got this elaborate CRM, which is a client relationship management tool. He logs in people's names, he's got their emails, their phone numbers. He puts them on an auto drip campaign to receive newsletters and shit, all this stuff. Bob's got a plan, right? Sandy, she writes down everyone's name. She writes down their damn phone number. She folds it up. She sticks in that little visor thing that folds down in her car. And every day when she's driving, she just calls it. Who do you think does more business? Sandy. Every single time it's Sandy. Referrals are the key to a successful real estate venture in regards to selling houses. It is everything. It's what builds our business. And there are two types of realtor groups that go out there. There's one that spends hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not going to say who, uh, but if just look at any billboard outside of your house, you'll probably notice that on <laughs> leads. Well, that individual, when they get that lead, they close the deal, it's over. Well, they've got to keep spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. My business right now, I'm not joking, I did this last night. I have a net operating uh, percentage of 80%. I am at 80% in regards to my expenses and my income. The average company is 20 to 30%. Yeah, the best. average company is 20, 30. You're damn right. Yeah. yeah. So, and the reason that is, is because I'm the Sandy. I call people just to see how they're doing. I don't have an agenda. But what I do is I am a little bit calculated with those phone calls. How's it going? Where are you going on vacation this week? I write it down. I call back Q2. How was that vacation? Like, Everything that we do needs to be strategic, but it still needs to be honest. And that's how I train everyone at House Haven is the same way. You know, there, there are some brokerages, and I'll, I'll wrap this up. There are some brokerages that train these agents to um, write down a, what they call a sphere of influence. Go out, meet with these people, and literally on the spot say, do you know anyone who wants to buy or sell a house? That's awful. <laughs> Hell no. What? I don't what? I'm just trying to drink my latte. This is what, right? It doesn't, it just, it's, it's agendified. It doesn't feel authentic. It's salesy. It's grotesque. It's not a situation that people want to be approached by. Now, if I did this, if I took my sphere of influence and I made them C's, B's and A's, and my goal was A's are my ride or dies. We're in a room with a bunch of A's and someone says the word house. One of my ride or dies are going to yell out Stephen Delahousse. Did you hear that? The hell you say, right? They're going to yell me out. The hell you say? These are people. <laughs> don't, don't you say? 
bees <laughs> bees are right under them bees are they're my rides but i don't know if they would you know get hit by a car for me right like there are people that are close but not there yet they may refer me maybe not c's i know of them i don't know them my goal is i want to meet with c's to make them bees i want to spend time with bees and share experiences to make them a's and then i've done it the more a's i have the more successful my business is going to be and that's all off of referrals and hopefully that wraps back into your question Awesome. Well, he yeah. asked, and this is going to be something I was going to follow up with. What do you do to foster that? Do you have like a customer appreciation program to drive that loyalty? Like there's a really good book that Robo recommended me called Giftology. And it really opened up my eyes to the, the personal gifts that one should receive. And you're laughing your ass off. So shut up. But uh, no, I it, think I referred it to you. Uh, referred it to Robo everybody. If you know the guy who wrote Giftology, ladies and gentlemen, let him know that uh, Robo would like to be a part of his loyalty program to give out books <laughs> on his behalf because he does it. Yeah. That's your thing, Robo. I'll That's post an affiliate gift. link after that, the show. Every right. time you sell a business, you should give them a copy of Giftology. So that way they can understand it because it was it was really new how he talked to me about the percentage of the company of every sale that you do you should put back for future surprises and things like that. Uh, Jason and I know a coach in the space named Tristan Winters who uh, with his the daily pursuit he has a lot of that like where clients would get like AirPods and iPods and all different stuff and and he gets free months away all the time like he's supplement stacks he's just like that. Do you have something like that? Absolutely. It's essential. One of my old mentors tell me, told me, never leave a coffee meeting without paying for that coffee meeting. Never, never leave a coffee meeting without picking up the check. And it's, it's, it's the sign of the gesture, right? It's the art of showing people that you care about them. That's, that's everything. So the, the biggest mistake, and if any realtors watch this, listen to this or watch this, I hope that they pay attention to what I'm about to say. The biggest mistake in sales in general is once the deal's done, the deal's done and they get forgotten for a bit because there's no more of a need from that salesperson, from that individual. It's a roller coaster. And once you get to the, to the peak and you get the deal done, what happens to your business? Things start to slow down. You go down that mountain, right? So what we want to do and what Giftology was so great about was we want to make sure that no matter how the roller coaster of sales goes, our foundation of giving back and paying attention to every client, no matter if they're looking or not looking, is essential. So yes, we do monthly mailers. We give out Starbucks gift cards. Uh, I always give a great closing gift. Uh, we throw a Christmas party every year. Things of that nature are always essential to my company, 100%. Beautiful. I actually like that answer. I think that that's something that all businesses actually should really consider to some degree. Free months for clients who've been with you for a while. Um, things like that. Like I just recently had a friend of mine. He refers me so much business. Robo know who he's talking about. Kind of came up on something unexpected. I was like, hey, just keep keep it going for a little bit. Don't worry about me. Just get your stuff done. We'll mm -hmm. rendezvous later. Just keep things as normal. So I think that that's helpful when you do that for people. They genuinely know you care. And then they become those rabid fans that Tim Ferriss talks about. And it comes back around. Uh -huh. And it may not even be from them. It's amazing. But it does come back around from somebody. You will always get the value you add to someone background, I believe, at least. A hundred percent. Before I kick it back to Robo, Scoop, do you have anything you want to wrap up on your thoughts before we go back to Robo, see where he wants to go? No, kick it to Robo for now. All right, cool. Yeah, so next question is when you very first got, got started, that first client, that first sale, um, talk about the scratching and clawing that it takes to get to that point and then kind of the, the snowball effect from there. Um, as Jeff and Jason mentioned, we have a ton of listeners that are coaches. Um, they're working, scratching, clawing to get personal training clients. Um, that's that's the bread and butter, um, whether online or in person. And, and really understanding that process is helpful. Yeah, this is a this is a big one, and this this kind of goes into you know every individual is going to approach this differently because they all have different value propositions and how we operate. You know, but for me, uh, my first client and my first sale was a fucking nightmare. No offense. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. It was awful. I had to buy a refrigerator. Uh, I lived with my parents at the time with a broken leg when I started my real estate career. I was scared to show two story houses because I couldn't go up the stairs. It was totally embarrassing. And uh, I didn't I didn't know that when you negotiate a deal for a house, um, refrigerators, so there are fixtures and there are non-fixtures in a real estate negotiation. Fixtures are things that are attached to the home. 
Well, I thought all kitchen appliances were fixtures, right? Refrigerators plug in. That sucks. I didn't know that. Obviously, I knew they plugged in, but I didn't know there was disparity between that. So I didn't ask for the fridge. Lo and behold, at closing, your boy wasn't uh, giving any closing gift from Giftology. Your boy was buying a damn new Samsung fridge. So uh, very happy clients. But, but I said to say, um, to acquire my first client, um, I, I took the car brand approach. You know, if someone was to ask Robo, Robo, I'm going to do it right now. Robo. I, also, I love the whole Robo concept. I've never called you that. And now I can't stop calling way easier because there's a lot of Jason. There's so many damn different people. Like Joey is usually hide sometimes. He this is great. Yeah, no, Robo it is. Mm -hmm. This is great. But like Robo, if I was to ask you name your top three car brands right now, what would you say? Uh that I would buy. No, just like (laughs) off the top of your head, three car brands. What do you what do you say? Not that you'd buy. What do you what just just name three car brands? Uh I would say like a Toyota, uh Porsche, and a Ford. Okay, why did you say those three? Uh, Toyota's reliable. Uh, Ford is American made, and they didn't take bailout money. And Porsche is. <laughs> All right, now real quick, real quick before before we go further, can you tell yeah. the audience what kind of car you drive? Uh, this is why this is funny. Your question on Xterra that is going on fourteen years old and two hundred thousand miles, and Jesus. I am proud of that. You're proud yeah. That's that? why he had fucking yeah. laughed at that question because he's like, he don't give a shit about. Are you just not? Are you just not a, into cars? <laughs> no, dude. I no, uh, it's a liability to me. It's not an asset. It's going to depreciate. There, there's no Rich value. To it. Yeah, yeah. I, so it's what I'll keep that thing running until it falls apart. Then I'll buy something I can have for the next fifteen. Yeah, I feel you on certain things like that. Like I, I, I had a lake house. I didn't buy a boat. I rented <laughs> it because that didn't make sense to me. But yeah. I like damn nice car. I ain't driving around two hundred thousand miles. I work hard. <laughs> I yeah. can't with that. <laughs> Dude, but you walk into my place and we have nice guitars. I have a damn cold plunge barrel in my garage next yeah, to a yeah. shitty car. Like I, I just yeah. choose to. It's just not something you value. Yeah. Listen, when I pulled up, when I pulled up in that Supra, Robo's only comment to me was that was that because i paid off my student loans he's like so how long did you stay day free what 10 months and that was like, <laughs> <all he said. laughs> like i think every day after that it was think of all the stocks you could uh, buy. yeah think of all the stocks you could buy followed it up every day he'd be like look at this stock oh can't do it you just bought a fucking car <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right go ahead steven sorry I oh shit for a moment. well <laughs> well even even with his dislike or not care about cars my point still is my point which is he said those three brands for a reason they had an impact in his mind for a reason whether it was Porsche not being involved in whatever what it, it, it was in his brain for a reason and that's how I decided I was going to take my strategy for obtaining clients I wanted to be if they said who are your top three realtors they better damn sure as shit say me and one or two that was it I was going to be one or two preferably one so I did everything I possibly could in an authentic way to make sure that happened and uh, it started with nine coffees a day, and then I got smart. I realized, wow, this sucks. First of all, I'm even more broke than I was. My leg is still <laughs> broken. I can't be doing all these coffee meetings. So, so then I started hosting events. I started to say, you know what? I'm not going to go out there and find these people. I'm going to create something where they're going to come to me, right? And mm-hmm. I ended up growing and ended up getting like 400 members to that event. So uh, it was it was a great yeah. great venture, but um, but. That was my mindset when I got my first client was I wanted to be a top three car brand. I want to be a top two though. And really I wanted to be number one. What how were those you, events like? What, what yeah. kind of events? Yeah. How did you grow? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I did it in three months. Uh, it's actually pretty crazy. You guys wouldn't even believe what I'm about to tell you. I like I, it even more. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's do it. I got so much to tell you guys. Oh, I'm on so much. Uh, not sponsored by Celsius. Uh, so here's what happened. I, when I started my real estate career, I had, I'm not lying to you, I'm going to say this again. I had a broken leg guys. Imagine starting a sales career, living in the, in your parents' house with a broken leg. It sucked. Why'd your wife stay with you? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) She's hot. I mean, I thought she'd leave me. I'm I'm surprised she's still here. Yeah. Uh, I had a little scooter and I, I had it in my head at anyone in sales or entrepreneurship when they first get going, they're like, okay, I've got to go to all these networking events. I've got to meet all these people that are going to help me grow my business. It's the opposite. 
You go to these networking events and all these people want to do is take from you. Oh, I'm in insurance. Oh, I'm a financial advisor. Oh, I'm in lawn care. Like, here's my car. Do you need me? Do you need me? Do you need me? I don't fucking need you guys. I need help, right? Like I wasn't getting any benefit as a new entrepreneur, business owner, self-employed individual going to these networking events. It was just take, 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 take. So what did I do? I created a group that did the literal opposite. I created a anti-networking group. We called it Nashville's very own. Uh, and the whole purpose of it was to not talk about work. The purpose of it was to bring individuals together, to have a guest speaker who has in, impacted the city in a positive way, whether it's through work, whether it's through charitable organizations, whatever it may be, they're going to speak once a month and we're just going to hang out. And then it grew. I ended up having an accountability coach come on. I ended up oh, volunteering shit. once a month uh, with, with 300 to 400 people. It grew like that because it is amazing what happens when you do something that everyone wants to do, but no one actually thinks will work, you know, and to have a, a space where people can go and feel comfortable and not feel like they're going to be sold something um, ended up having the opposite effect to where I turned all those people into clients <laughs> because <laughs> I was being myself and being honest and I wasn't pushing my real estate. No one even knew I was in real estate till like the third or fourth meeting. Like I'm not pushing my, my real estate agenda. I'm just pushing the agenda of let's get to know each other and let's help grow the city. What happened to it? COVID. COVID killed me. COVID Ah, killed me. Yeah. COVID COVID killed me. Those are uh, those kinds of meetings and events and things like that. They're meant to be intimate. And if you can't do it together, it's not going to make it. So I honestly just pulled the plug on it. I may bring it back at some point, but I've got a four month old and that's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah I, very fair. It is. Uh, Scoob, you got anything? Uh, not at the moment. I'm just listening. All right. I have deck. one, and this is an interesting one because so far you've been rather upbeat, and I love yeah. that. <laughs> but I want to know a little bit of the dark. What was the hardest Ooh. trial so far you've had as an entrepreneur that you had a re- <sighs> that really just it was like, fuck, this makes or break me. And you really were leaning more it was going to break you, but you had to just go all in, chips all in, that one dark moment where you have that dark conversation and know you got to do it. And it's the hardest thing ever do. Man, that is a really good question that a lot of people don't ask me because I am such an optimistic person. I can see why they would never ask that of you. I am not the same. I am not. I'm a depressive realist. (laughs) So therefore I will ask you that question. (laughs) That's a great question. You know, I would honestly tell you it's been this year. And I think that it's an elephant in the room that a lot of realtors don't talk about because their income depends on it. And if they show weakness in their industry, then they're afraid people either won't trust them, won't believe in them, or don't think they're confident in their craft. But the real estate industry is fucking sucked this year. I mean, I will 100% tell you that. And on top of that, for me personally, since you're asking me personally, I bought a $1.7 million house in April. I had a baby in the month of August. Interest rates hit almost 8% between those th- that period of time. Mm. On top of that, none of my agents were producing really that well. You know what I mean? And to add even more fire to the storm, there is a lawsuit going across the nation right now that threatens how realtors are paid. So it's, it's a lot of different stressors that come in the world of owning a company. You know, you've got your expenses, you've got your income, you've got the, the entire fact that everything fluctuates on someone else's decision. You know what I mean? Um, and then you've got your personal investments. I, I bought an Airbnb off West End by Centennial Park. I've had zero bookings in 30 days. Like that's pretty stressful. You know what I mean? But I think what's continued to push me to not sit back and let those, th- those things weigh me down is again, the self-motivation that it takes. Because I know for a fact, if I'm thrown in the middle of the ocean, I'm not going to sink. I'm going to fucking swim, right? And yeah, between April and September 15th, I was in the middle of the ocean. My dad was diagnosed with bladder cancer, you know, a pretty high stage of bladder cancer. Uh, he's, he has surgery next Wednesday. So, you know, we have a choice to make, all of us, and we all have issues and problems that weigh on us. And the choice is, do we sit in those issues and those problems and just continuously think about them? Or do we look at today and say, what am I capable of accomplishing that's going to make me better tomorrow? And I continue to do that every single day, continue to be a little bit better tomorrow. And it's paid off. 
my real estate company is successful right now, even with storms outside. The real estate commission lawsuits do not bother me because I know my value proposition will outweigh whatever lawsuit changes they make. Um, my dad's going to have all of his cancer removed. Uh, my baby girl's beautiful and every day is a blessing. So I'm just going to keep pushing forward. Great question though. Yeah. Cause I wanted to ask my little follow up here. When you sat with that uncomfortableness, what did you learn from it as you had to go forward? Like what was that deeper emotion as a man that you had to learn from it? Two things. I've, this is, I, and I really have sat in this. So I'm, I'm glad that you're asking me this. Uh, the first thing is it's not just about me anymore. Uh, it's about my family and knowing that it's not about me makes the stakes even higher. Um, and it makes me realize that whether I like it or not, I'm not giving up period. Cause I'm not going to let them down. I'm not going to let my baby girl down. I'm not going to let my wife, my wife didn't leave me. She's still here. She's still riding or dying. So I'm not going to let her down. Jesus made it this far. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's, that is obviously the most important thing is the fact that I've got other people that I need to think about uh, every single day. The other thing though, too, you know, just to be honest, selfishly, um, do I have time to give you guys a very cool, but quick story? Cause it's sure. Go for it. I want to hear about this. Okay. I think it's important to pierce okay. a little bit this behind is... what we do. Cause there's, you know, there's, there's hard times, there's dark times. And often these podcasts, we talk about all the glory and the victories and the wins and the successes. But I know on the other side of this is the darkness with the entrepreneurship because it's hard. Yeah, 100%. This, uh, the story I'm going to tell you right now okay. is uh, it, it is it is going to answer the second part. So the first part's family. The second part, though, is this. So a couple years ago, I had a mentor. And this guy was like a huge Tony Robbins fan, dude. Like big time Tony Robbins fan, like the guru of Tony Robbins. You've got to go to Tony Robbins. All the, everything about this man's life is Tony Robbins. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I'm not going to, whatever. And I was 26 at the time. So every year he would take his staff to Tony Robbins. And I was his number one agent at his firm. And he was like, hey, you need to buy a ticket. You need to go to Tony Robbins. My leg is still broken, by the way, guys, at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm still in the cat. Like my leg was broken during like the most monumental changes of my life. It's unbelievable. And uh, I was like, dude, first of all, no, I'm not going. I can't afford it. I don't have any money. I'm with my parents. I'm trying to sell a house. I just bought someone a refrigerator. I mean, Jesus, like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to Tony Robbins. Um, next day, I get in my inbox uh, to, uh, sorry, a one round trip ticket to San Jose, um, uh, California to go to a Tony Robbins event. Oh, you and, went? Uh, he, he bought it. He bought my ticket. I don't have a choice. He even, he even had the Uber pick me up in front of my house. Yeah. So I go, 18,000 people in the stadium. I go to this event and I'm not going to break it all down, but basically one key thing happened. Well, three, three specific things happens around it, but one thing happened at the event. We're in this room with 18,000 people. He says, close your eyes. All 18,000 people close their eyes. It's dead silent. He says, now imagine you're in a room and in this room is everything that's in your life right now. So you look around, it's your, it's your faith, it's your family, it's your finances, it's your material goods, everything. He said, now imagine that a, a ladder falls down and there's another door upstairs. Climb the ladder. And we're all quiet. We climb the ladder mentally. We get up there. We go into this new room. Open your eyes. You're in this new room. And it's everything you've ever wanted. It's your faith, your family, your relationships, your friends, your spouse, your sex life. Everything you've ever wanted is at peak performance in this new room. And you feel it. You smell it. You taste it. You're in it. And then all of a sudden he says, now imagine you start to stumble and you fall back and you fall out of that room and you land on your back and your face up and you're looking at that room that you were just in. And as you get up and look around, you're back where you were and the ladder's gone. He says, now, what did it feel like having everything that you ever wanted? What's crazy is you actually feel it. He says, you're the reason you fell backwards. No one else was in there. No one pulled you down. You stumbled. You're the reason, right? That's a pretty mind-blowing feeling to experience something like that and then realize that you're the reason you don't have it. Fucking neuro So get this. Programming. Damn. Fire. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Get this. It gets better. So I leave this fucking Tony Robbins thing, right? And I'm in an Uber, and I'm catching a 3 a.m. flight back to Nashville, the red eye. In my Uber was a uh, individual, a foreign individual. He's from China. He was awesome. Super nice guy, broken English. And we're talking. And I asked him just to start conversation because I love to talk to everyone I meet. 
where he's from. And he tells me he's from China or whatever. I said, why'd you come here? He said, well, uh, I escaped. I said, you escaped? What do you mean? He said, well, uh, I was in a prison working at a, a, what you would call a concentration camp. And I broke free with my family and I escaped, I escaped from, from Hong Kong. I said, why did you escape? What happened? He was practicing Christianity in his apartment. And a neighbor, he had an eight-month-old baby girl and his wife, and a neighbor complained to him. The government took him and put him in a prison. They will do that. And it gets better. Well, worse, but better. Uh, Every day, they would come to his cell. They would put a blank sheet of paper and a pen under his cell door, and they'd say, write that you give up your faith, and we'll let you go back to your family. And every day for two years, he would not sign that paper in. So then they took him, they took him out of the prison, they put him in a concentration camp where he would dig trenches, and every day they would do the same thing, he wouldn't sign the paper. Finally, he broke free, got his daughter, got his wife, hid in a shipping container, ended up in, I know it was actually in San Francisco at the time, and uh, he said that he works 80 hours a week, his daughter speaks fluent English in school, and his wife doesn't have to work, and he's the happiest man alive. I said, why didn't you just sign it? <laughs> I want to <laughs> sign it. Even if I don't yeah, believe two years it, long I'm, time, I might have signed it. Today. I'm signing it. I'll piss them out. <laughs> I'll type it. I'll FedEx it. What do you want? I'll sign it right now. Cut my hands off. I'll sign it. And uh, he said, Stephen, he said, there's only two things that we have in this world. It's our faith and our family. He's like, I'm not giving up on either of those. You know? And that was a pretty empower, yeah, empowering nice thing to hear. And then as I get on the, as I, this is the end of the story. I get on the plane, 3 a.m. flight. Everyone's asleep. I don't sleep on planes. Good man. We hit a cat storm funnel. That night and that morning was the morning of tornadoes over Middle Tennessee. And we hit a cat storm funnel. So what that means is it's a clear air turbulence pattern where you feel like your plane is going under. It goes down about 5,000 feet in five seconds. It's so random. It's so rare. You can't really crash from them, but it gives you that feeling. And our plane went from here to here for about five to 10 seconds. The guy next to me threw up in his hat and the woman behind me wasn't buckled in. She got a concussion. People were flying across the plane thinking that they were going to die. And I sat there and I was buckled in. And I thought two things. I said, well, first of all, fuck, I just got all this shit from Tony Robbins. I'm going to die. I don't even tell anybody about it. Of course, that's the end. Number one. (laughs) That sucks. There's that. Um, I just have to get it. But also I thought to myself, like, uh, it's too soon. It's just too soon. I didn't do enough. It's too soon. So anyways, I get home and I think to myself, one, I can accomplish anything because I realize that I'm the reason I'm not in the upstairs room. Two, I don't have it anywhere as bad as other people. So why the hell am I complaining today? And then three, there may not be a tomorrow. So that changed my entire trajectory of my mindset through my life. So when you ask me what two things keep me going, it's my family and it's the mindset of those three key factors that will not, uh, I will not stop. Thank you for being so transparent. I appreciate that. Robo, yeah. back to you real quick, man. Yeah, uh, Jeff and I have actually had conversations about Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. There was a night, this was what, in August, September, where we went down to Florida and we were talking about yeah, if you could be one September. person who would it be in mind has been Tony Robbins. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone in the world better at reading people. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's a person who understands neuro-linguistic programming, how the mind works and how to hit trigger points better than that man. Um, Facts. It was unbelievable. I was not, I was a pessimist when I walked in, I walked out a different person. It's unbelievable. I'll be honest with you. If you really want to enhance, and I I won't actually say this, well, actually, yes, I will. But whenever you look at (laughs) neuro-linguistic programming, it is really the is sales driven you can wire the wording to rephrase how people visualize the vehicle they're going to drive and robbins i agree once once robo said that because mine was dorian yates i was like i want to press and find out like yeah (laughs) fucking bro and shit and he's like i want tony robbins i can't who did ben pick i can't remember who ben picked I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But when he said that, I was like, "Shit, Robbins was a good one because of the NLP." But then we got went down this whole rabbit hole. So that was a great story you told. So thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. So I'm I'm switching gears on us for a second to the coaching aspect. Your employees, 
you talk about employees sometimes underperform. Um, talk about you know how you approach coaching for someone who's struggling, what you've seen work, what hasn't worked, um, and, and really any advice you give to someone trying to build up someone. There's only one word I have for this one, and it's accountability. Accountability is the key to coaching, period. People don't realize how much accountability they need. Even the most successful people in the world, you'll, you'll realize this, you guys know this more than anyone, but they even have accountability partners. You have to have someone behind you seeing if you're actually doing the shit that you say you're going to do. In the world of real estate, people join real estate for the wrong reasons most of the time. They do it for the freedom. That's not why you're a real estate agent. People join the world of entrepreneurship in general for the freedom. If you've got freedom, you've got problems because I don't have any fucking freedom. I don't have any freedom. I have no freedom, right? But I love it. I live for that, right? So number one is, are they doing it for freedom or are they doing it because they want their work ethic to be a financial scoreboard of how they're doing financially? Like, I want my work ethic to be reflected on my financial scoreboard, right? Like that's why I'm doing that's this. That's so well said. So well said. Yeah, 100%. And as a coach, I've got to make sure, number one, I've got a vetting process before I coach anybody. And my first question is, do I want it more than this person? And if the answer is yes, I'm not doing it. If I figure out any point during my accountability or coaching sessions that I am wanting it more than the other person, I immediately let them go. Because at the end of the day, I am never going to accomplish things other people need to accomplish for themselves. All I can do is help them in that path, become the best version of themselves. But if I ever wanted more than them, either they or me is in the wrong industry. So that's the first vetting question I have. And then from there, I do micro goal setting based on their value propositions. Because again, there are some brokerages who I will not name, but they throw 20 new agents in a room they coach them all the exact same way. I've sold 70 houses this year. I've got a friend named Ansley who sold 70 houses this year. Ansley will never go into an open house. just like talking to strangers. I'll walk down the damn street and take my shirt off and paint up saying I'm a realtor. We're two different people, right? But we're both effective in our own ways. You've got to be able to micro coach based on those characteristics of that individual. If Anne's is not going to talk to strangers, well, guess what she is going to do? She's going to have a wine night and she's going to have friends over for four hours and they're going to refer her every human being in their Rolodex. That's how she sells 70 houses. Me, let me host an event. Let me go speak a class. Let me go into a room that I don't know anyone at and just start shaking hands and asking what they do for a living, right? So you've got to figure out what their peak characteristics are and then you've got to make sure they maximize their time living in that space. That's the third thing I would say is whatever they are good at, whatever they actually love to do, you've got to maximize their time doing that in regards to sales. How many hours a week do you spend mentoring each person individually or coaching them per se? Because it's really, I like to think of it like when you're coaching, you're actually mentoring. You're trying to say, yeah. how can I take my past mistakes, consolidate them and give them to you in a way that's filed, organized, and you can execute quicker? 100%. So I hired a uh, director of operations who used to oversee uh, lifetime wellness and uh, lifetime fitness, I guess, in Cool Springs. Yeah. I did this on purpose. And uh, I did that to, to, to replace me actually from that. Mm -hmm. so I do more of the high level stuff. So basically if an agent reaches a certain amount of sales, then I step in and I begin coaching. Until they get there, they're with her and she brings them in. So we do once a week, 30 minute sessions for every agent. And then once a quarter, I step in and I do high level sessions. And then I also teach a course once a month on specific things like the art of negotiating or selling at 7% interest rates, things like that. I think that'd be helpful if you do those kind of classes. A question, if someone were to like Scoob has a health and fitness team, if he was like, hey, could you put together a PowerPoint on teaching people how to sell? Because that's a big thing, like, right? You're trying to sell in an, in a noisy marketplace. So I think you taking that time to refine that art it's, it's probably been your hidden sword, would I dare say. That's right. I mean, what's crazy too is, it's a hidden sword, really caught my surprise. Yeah, it's sounded crazy awful. Too is, I wasn't uh, going to say Yeah. Hidden sword. Uh, but you said a word that's really important. And that's the word that you said was art. Selling is an art. It's an art all the way through. I have another job. I broker brand deals between large corporations and celebrities. 
I work there eight hours a week and I'm the top salesman at that, at that company. Eight hours a week and I'm kicking ass over my competition, right? Because it's an art. I've got to listen to the value and the pain points of the other side. And then once I listen, I attack strategically on those pain points. That's, that is how you break down the art of negotiation and salesmanship. And I think that 100%, that is my, my sword, is being able to teach others um, in the real estate industry or any sales industry in general what it takes to be successful. Well, now that I know you work with celebrities, I got a book I'm going to throw in your lap to help me get a bunch of uh, partnerships out there for the mentally disturbed, as we'll come to find out. If it's giftology, I've got like seven copies. No, no, it's my own book I wrote. It's actually my own book I wrote. I have to give it to oh, you. Oh, that to help me figure That'd out what great. partnerships I need. I, I actually was on, that was something on my whiteboard to find like an agent broker stuff for me like that if those opportunities were to come. So oh, I didn't yeah, even know you did that. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, guy, I know did it. Ah. There you go, man. Let's go. I love that. I love it. Jason, what do you got? Um, I got a couple things, I guess, after listening. Um, one is recruitment. Um, do you have like a mission statement, values written down? Um, do you have something that you present to them, I guess, that they come in the door that they need to kind of I guess not abide by, but like need to be on par with. And then number two, do people come to you to work for you or do you have to actively recruit them? Great, great questions. And this is one of a company's pain points at all times is not only recruiting, but bringing on people that actually make a substantial difference to your cash flow as a company. Um, but even more than that really is your culture. Culture is, a, you can't have culture killers on your team. Um, and usually those are the easiest to recruit for a reason, right? Like culture killers are not hard to find. The culture builders are the ones that are hard to find. Um, so yes, I'm very much a first impression is everything individual. My wife will tell you that. If someone knocks on my door the wrong way, I write them off. It's not a great trait of mine. I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, it's not great. Well, but, obviously but, it's to some degree. Yes, I would argue because you've managed to weed through some of the bullshit to be able to sell 70 plus fucking houses. And I know you're From high a in builders. So, yeah, it's exactly. a great skill set. From yeah. a funny we're having people over for dinner standpoint, it's not. You know what I mean? So it depends on the setting. But in regards to your question, I I want everything from, from their perspective to see me to be transparent. So they need to know integrity, community, adaptability is huge for me. Adaptability in the world of sales is everything. When you hear something that you weren't used to hearing, like a lot of people in sales have scripts. I've never used a fucking script in my life because you cannot adapt off a script. You get used to a script. Like adaptability is massive because no matter what someone throws at you, you've got to be able to adapt, dodge, and then hit them back with something that makes a substantial difference, right? So adaptability, performance, kindness, like, and then of course, loyalty and trustworthiness. Like those are the integral parts of my company that I'm always looking for. And if one of those core values are not met, they will not join House Haven. I have to have all of them, not some of them, because at the end of the day, this puts food on my plate for my family. And if you have one cog in the machine that's not functioning, um, it will take the whole thing down over time. So um I don't know if that answered your question. I, I hope so. But yeah, that, that is very important. And as far as people coming to me, and they do. Um, I have a, you know, I have a little bit of a, people know who I am a little bit in my industry, not a ton. Like I'm not like famous or anything, but they do come to me. But as a small business, I do have to go find them. Like I have to go find them. And then I've got to tell them why my value proposition is bigger than a multi-billion dollar company like Compass. You know, I've got to somehow change that expectation, which isn't always easy, but, but it is easy for the right people. When they see that you've got accountability, when they see that you're focused on giving back to your community, and that's more important to them than some high-ranking branded marketing company, those are the people that you want to join you anyways. So I'm looking for those. I like how you brought up the adaptability, man. Um, I'm going to shut up after this, Jay, and then you guys can round it out, so I'm done for the podcast. But well, I've been reading about German Sherman's March to the Sea and his adaptability and how he cut from the land to be able to just be adaptable and do something that the enemy could not predict. Um, and I think that if you're just out there looking at it in business, you're always trying to look for new angles that competition cannot see through. 
Um, and I think that that is something that you just illustrated that adaptability allows one to see because you can look at the problems with a new creative lens when you're allowed to be adaptable or driven. 100%. To say. It's, cool. it's, it, there's no, no deeper truth than that. You've got to be able to figure something out on the spot that solves a problem. And if you cannot do that, if you think that you've already got the problem solved before you show up, you're fucked. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. You've got to be able to adapt and solve a problem on the spot whenever it's needed. And if you can master that, then you will be great at sales. Okay. In my opinion. All right, Scoob. Thanks. Let me interrupt for a second. Round it out, buddy. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I always like to talk to entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, um, I don't really consider myself a salesman, but I guess I really am in sales. I mean, I own a nutrition company. Yep, I own a coaching company. Um, and, you know, I've been pretty successful doing it. Um, I guess my question uh, is, do you find yourself, and I'll give some examples from my own life. Do you find yourself to be more driven by fear or winning? And so for me, <laughs> I was a lawyer for 15 years as I built my business. I never jumped all in with two feet and, you know, I always had a, an income coming in, but when I finally made the decision to stop being a lawyer, um, that's when my income tripled. And it was because I had a fear of failure. Um, I didn't have a security blanket anymore. And then something else that, that struck me was, uh, very much like you in September of 2022, I bought a $1.7 million home. And even though I'm very successful and I could make all the checks and I finally learned that $10,000 twice a year just for the grounds, because I have waterfalls and all this mulch and fountains and shit wasn't for me. But <laughs> when I did that, I doubled my income again within a year. Luckily, someone put a card in my mailbox because they loved the house and I sold for 200K more within a year. And I got out oh, wow. very, very happy that I did. But those types of things have driven me, but it's more out of fear than just winning. And I'm okay admitting that. It doesn't matter how I got successful. That's what drove me. I'm just curious whenever I meet someone that's successful, what truly drives them? Yeah, that's a great question. And mine changed, mine, mine adapt, mine changed. You know, um, I was taught never to have a scarcity mindset, have an abundance mindset. Like that's what we were taught. That's, that's the message. But actually the first two years of being an entrepreneur, live in the scarcity mindset, like swim in it, be it, because you need to understand what it's like and you need to respect the fact that you were there at some point in your career. Because when you do get successful, you can't forget that shit because that's important. That's important from a mentorship perspective. That's important from anything that you do. You need to remember where you started. So um, at this point, I'm a little bit of fear, but what I'm really pushing towards, just to be fully transparent with you guys, is that pursuit and that passion for performance. I want to continue to figure out every day where I can go and what I'm capable of. My biggest fear, if, I, if it is fear, and I think there is a, a portion that still is fear, is, is this. Yeah. I don't want to ever be like this. Yep. Yep. God knows I don't want to do this, but this, I, for some reason, this even scares me more. This comfort level, this satisfaction, this, this easiness of my day, that worries me. I want to make sure that I am constantly going upwards and not plateauing. And that fear does worry me. And honestly, I don't know if it's, an, I wouldn't say the word is winning. I think that what it is, is it is, it is, and I hate the word potential. I'm not trying to say the word potential, but I think it's just like, it's this addiction to knowing what's next. What is next? What is next in my life? What is next tomorrow? Where can I go? Can I go higher than this? You know, because like I said, my dad is ill and he, he sold airplanes for a living. I mean, the guy was the best salesman you ever meet in your life, right? And, and seeing, he's 79, I'm 33. And I've witnessed his last chapter. He's not dead or anything, but his last chapter of the sunset, I'm watching it as a young person, which is different. I'm not 50. Like I'm watching it as a younger person and I'm watching this, this sunset go. And as I'm watching this, I'm realizing I've got a whole lot of shit I want to accomplish before I get there. Oh, yeah. So I think that, yeah, the pursuit of performance, that gives me joy and that keeps motivating me. Yeah. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, I mean, I've, I've always been the same. My nutrition business has always done this. It's always mm -hmm. done. Um, supplement line, same. But I'm 45 and uh, much like you, uh, my dad has something different, but he has Parkinson's dementia and he's in the same mm. spot. Uh, it's only going this way. 
And so at some point though, I'm, I'm much ahead of you in years. At some point though, you have to decide when enough's enough. And uh, yeah. I'm back with that right now at almost 46. Um, so, you know, it's, I think I'm just in a different part in my career. Sometimes I'm thinking maybe this is okay. Maybe this is okay. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm there yet, but it well, here's the truth on. though. You're never going to feel like enough is enough. Like that's yes, just the truth. You, you're a successful you. entrepreneur. Like you're never going to feel that way. But what you need to, what I'm speaking for myself, that what I would need to feel is, is I have created an environment where my family and I are stable and I can actually take the time to choose when I want to work. Yeah. If I can have the ability to choose when I work, that's enough for me. Yeah. That's all I need. I just want to be able to wake up and say, you know what? I don't want to work today. Yep. I'm going to go with my wife and my baby girl to the lake. Yep. Or I'm yep. going to say, you know what? I feel like grinding this week. I'm working all week. That's all I want. I just yeah. want the ability to make that decision. I, yep. get that. I think, I think we're speaking the same language and that's, yeah. that's what I am debating, uh, you know, as I get near 50. Um, but you're right. You never feel like enough is enough. Uh, when I tell some people what I've saved and what I've done, everyone's like, oh, it's, you're plenty. I'm like, Mm, is it i don't know so you just never kind of know when there's enough enough so i respect you thanks yeah Yeah. robo take us home bro yeah so one question before we wrap it all up and that's i know you're a big reader in the personal development space what are your top three books you recommend everyone read oh man i didn't see this question coming i should have i don't know why i didn't um i love this one book dude i don't know why it's called a traveler's gift um, this guy goes through seven different parts of time and he meets seven of the most influential people in the world. And they each teach him a life lesson. Like he meets like Abe Lincoln and like, it's just crazy. Uh, I love that book. I love, I'm looking at my, my shit right here. I love tribe of mentors by Timothy Ferris. Uh, he interviews 300 of the most influential people in the world, asks them all the same 11 questions, which I think yeah. is really cool to see how each person responds to the same 11 questions. Like Michael Jordan was one of them. Tiger Wood, like it's just, that's really good stuff. Um, The book that is the most, and you mentioned Joko, uh, Extreme Ownership. I try to give that to everyone. And you know, the biggest thing here is like, we all talk about how important discipline is and none of us really are that good at it. (laughs) It is one of the hardest character traits to master. And uh, I suffer from ADHD. I constantly am thinking about the next thing. I can barely sit. I'm surprised I've sat still this long, to be honest with you guys. So a book like that, that just really talks about staying in your place, continue to grind, focus on one thing, keep that goal in mind uh, is essential. So I'd probably throw that book in there as well. I think discipline is, is, is a necessary piece to be an entrepreneur. Um, 100%. And if you can master it, you you have unlimited potential. It's just it's the it's the hardest thing. My gift to you three motherfuckers for Christmas is gonna be the forty eight <laughs> laws of power. You can give them to oh yeah, come on, baby, let's go. You guys, you it's it's about person. three feet from me, Jeff. You yeah, you, know, you really need to go read money. that book. That book is. I yeah. told everybody like I studied it for a year, like you would the Bible. It was some sick shit. I just got very obsessed with it for a year. Some sick shit. And um, it, it literally is because if you read the the stories, the Bible it goes this way: be a good man, right? New Testament. If you read forty eight laws of power, you understand where bad men go and mm. the appropriate behaviors what power is and it helps you understand the dichotomy that we're always working in with human dynamics and nature so that's why i think that book is very crucial the audible is shit i actually going to reach out to robert green to see if i can narrate his book because i feel oh, like i'm doing a way better job little dan carlin make it like hardcore history a little time there Anyway, go you ahead, guys, Jason. Take us out. Have you guys read Be Obsessed or Be Average? By yeah, Cardone? by Grant Cardone. That's a good book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was actually book. reading the 10X rule while I was on that plane that was going down. That was the book I had in my hand. <laughs> Uncle G. And I was like, oh, shit, I can't do anything. 10X, I'm dead. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, Robo, take it out, man. So, Stephen, tell everyone where they can find you, where if they want to hire you as a realtor, where they can go. Totally. Yeah. So uh, my company's website is www.househavenrealty.com. All of our socials are at Househaven Realty. My Instagram is at the hell you say, let's go. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, to help out people any way I can. If you guys can't find him on Instagram, just look at people I follow because his last name's hard to spell off the top of your head. 
We should have it in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes, though. Yeah. Well, Stephen, man, it was a pleasure seeing you this way. I know we'll be catching up soon. We have a um, a event that we are planning in January for the guys. It is a bar golf event starting at Saturday. Uh, Nine bars. Every bar has got a par, and there's going to be a lot of shitty people roaming through Nashville. What weekend are you doing that? I'll let you know. I'll text you. We're going to pull it all together. I'll put you on the thread. And what it is, majority wins the weekend, and that's how we do it. It's just kind of like the majority wins. That's how we rule in the guys group. It makes it easy. I throw two dates in. Majority wins. All right, next yeah. move. Here, two places. Pick one. All right, there we go. One of our buddies, Joey's planning it, so that'll probably be made next time I see you, man. But thanks for taking the time to join us today. I really appreciate you guys. Y'all are inspiring. I'm inspired just being on this. So uh, thank y'all for the time, and hope to do it again sometime. I appreciate y'all. Awesome. Ciao, bro. All right. We'll take care. Bye, See guys. you all next week. Bye-bye.